you've got a Bible or you've got the Bible, a Bible app on your phone, you might want to turn up at the first chapter of the book of Joshua, just while we get ready. Um, we are beginning a new series this morning called Building for the Future. And this morning's part is called Getting Ready. Something's happened with the graphics there, and there's an open bracket there and no closed bracket. I'm not sure why that is, but that's quite good because today is just the start. <laughs> um, as you can see, and you've probably worked out already, it has something to do with our building, this building that we're in here. Um, whenever you're about to start any new project, preparation, as you'll know, is absolutely vital for success. How many of you are into gardening? Well, any gardener will tell you, I'm really not into gardening, by the way, but any gardener will tell you that the key to growing vegetables is preparation. Um, how many of you are into decorating? The key to good decorating, so any good decorator will tell you, is preparation. Myself, I just like getting some paint slaps on the wall, but, you know, the, the truth is, it's no good unless you prepare. If you're setting off on a long journey, you don't quite know where you're going, what do you do? Well, these days you get your phone or your sat-nav out and you start looking. But in the old days, of course, that wasn't possible. It, it was possible to write to the AA. Did you know that? In the old days and, and ask for a, a specific route map to tell you how to get from A to B. You don't set off on a long journey without doing some preparation. Those of you who have been in the army may know this quote. Uh, oh, hang on. Wrong one. Is that one there? No? Hello? Can you move my... Oh, I'm not working. There you go. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. And there's another quote from a guy called Benjamin Franklin, the next one, please, who says, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Well, when we look through history, and in particular at key world-changing moments, it's really important that we prepare. I'm just going to stop there, and we're going to give thanks for the offering. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Alan. Why don't we just... Reach out our hands, it's, and you'll, you'll realise why it's particularly important that we do this today. It's important that we do it every day, but Lord, we just want to thank you for your incredible generosity to us. Lord, there is no way that we could ever outgive you. And so we thank you for this resource and the resource that's been given behind the scenes and through the bank systems this week. And we bless you, and we pray that you would bless and encourage those who decide how to spend this, and we pray that you would use this money and all of our worship and our offering to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. So, as I was saying, preparation is really important. And when you look through history, there are key moments in history. This is one of them. Martin Luther King gives a speech. He actually prepared the way in that speech for a change in the law that would affect everything. Uh, another key moment in history here, man lands on the moon. Imagine the amount of preparation and planning that just went into that one moment. Well, the Bible is full of important moments, a bit like those, important moments in history. And we're going to read about one of them now, and it's in Joshua chapter 1. So if you've got um, the Bible in your app, we're just going to read the first 11 verses. Just let me give you a little bit of background to this story before, this passage before we read. It's, God has freed up his people, the Israelites, from captivity in Egypt. He has brought them out of slavery and promised an incredible land for them to make their home in. 
the first time round, as they're about to enter this land, basically they bottle out. They get really scared. And consequently spend the next 40 years wandering back around the desert. And a whole generation effectively misses out on this blessing. Now it's 40 years later. I say a whole generation apart from two leaders, Joshua and Caleb. Now it's 40 years later. And again, God's people have come face to face with this land that God has promised them. They know that there's something good in there. They're a little bit nervous about going in. It's unknown. It's the future. Moses has died and now the Lord gives Joshua the instruction to lead them in. So God's people are at a key moment in their history when they can again choose to press forward into the unknown. And it's at this point that God speaks to Joshua. So I'm going to read from Joshua 1 verses 1 to 11. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And as I promised to Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. This is a really well-known passage, and it's all, about getting, it's all about getting ready. At the start in verse 2, God says to Joshua, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready to go into this land. And then at the end of the passage in verse 11, Joshua tells the people, guys, it's time to get ready. Get your provisions ready. Three days, and we're going in. Just briefly, here are four other things that are in this passage. Just move that on for me one more, will you, please? Thank you. Four things that are in this passage that will help God's people and actually will help us as we get ready. The first is to trust what God has said. God reminds them, reminds Joshua over three or four verses of the promises that he has previously made to his people. You will lead these people, verse 6, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. God has already promised this land. This isn't a new promise from God. This is something he's spoken about to them on many occasions. So the first thing they do is they need to trust on trust that. We know God's spoken to us. Let's remember that. Let's, he has our future in hand. The second thing he says in verse 7 is don't deviate from what God said. Don't turn to the left or turn to the right. 
stay on the straight and narrow. God says, I've given you resources, I've given you wisdom, I've given you a plan, I've given you my word, my law. Stay close to me, stay focused on me, and things will work. The third thing that's implied in the passage, implicit in this, is that this is a journey for the whole community, everyone. Young and old, rich and poor, no one gets left out. Everyone gets to play, everyone has a part to play. And lastly, what's implicit in this passage, in fact throughout this passage, is that important moments require courage. I think five times in this passage and verses a little bit later, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It requires courage to let go of the present circumstance in order to walk into and take hold of the future. To move forward into the unknown. And that was true for God's people in the Bible, and it's true for us here today in this church in Winchester Vineyard. Because the truth is, God's been telling us for some time to get ready. We're at a really important moment in our church's story. If you're a guest with us today, you're more than welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, I, I hope you'll kind of understand that most of what I'm going to talk about is mostly family business. But I do pray that, you know, I trust to God that, as, that you'll be encouraged too as you listen in. Okay, so you're very welcome. Exactly two years ago, I preached, it is exactly two years ago, this weekend, I preached a message called A Season of Preparation. And I preached from Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 starts like this, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't yet see. It's about having a vision in your mind of the future. I talked about how God has put a dream in our hearts, a vision that we can't yet picture in our minds that isn't yet a reality, but that is becoming a reality and will become a reality through faith in God. I'm not expecting you to remember this, by the way. I happen to have these things on file because I'm a bit like that and I keep everything. But um, can you just move it on for me? There we go. The, The essence of that message was that we will walk by faith, that we're to draw near to God, that there is building involved and there is going involved and that we're to expect miracles and transformation. Actually, God's been speaking to us about this for more than two years. Go back six years now. About about this last week, six years ago, was the first time that Joe and I met with uh, Hugh and Ginny to talk about the possibility of coming and taking over the leadership of this church. And uh, when we met them, we sat down and we had spent the day talking, and I just shared this verse with them, which I had felt that God had spoken to us about. It's actually not from Joshua, although it sounds like it. It's from Deuteronomy. And it's Moses telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. I remember sharing this verse with you and Ginny, saying, I'm not sure what God is saying, but, but this verse is something that he's been talking to me about. I remember Ginny getting very excited at that point. Those of you who know her will know that that's quite normal for her. Um, There are plenty of other words that God has shared with us and spoken to us, both us as leaders, both us as a leadership team, and the whole church here along similar lines. We know that God has plans and purposes for us which haven't yet been realised. There is a land for us to inhabit, whether that's a metaphorical land or a physical land or both. And that word from Hebrews 11 was specifically about both the land and the people. God showed us that he wanted us to both build and go. Build like Noah in preparation for what God wanted to do. I'll talk about that more in a minute. 
and to go in faith like Abraham, who was sent out on a journey, sent to a different location, going to serve God in a specific place that he and his family were sent to. We've sung it this morning, haven't we? Let your glory fall in the room and let it go forth from here to the nations. All of us actually have been sent somewhere. God has placed each and every one of us in different places, in certain geographical locations, in certain communities or networks or places of work or education. And in those places we're called to see God make a difference, to expect transformation. If you've been around here any time, you'll know that we've been using this phrase, scattered servants, for a while now. I have a, I have a, I have a slide for that, I think. Oh, working too well. Yeah, that'll do. That over the past year or so or more, we've been spent in time exploring what it is to be followers of Jesus, not when we're in this building. That what it is to be called to be scattered servants bringing life to people and communities. You know, we've heard some wonderful stories. There was a lady who came here. She came for, uh, really interesting. She just showed up one day. She picked up a flyer for one of our, um, for, for our big Christmas fair. Somebody had placed that flyer in a children's center and she picked it up and decided to come along. She came in here. She thought, this, this place is really child friendly. And somebody said, oh, you're coming back tomorrow. And it was a family service the next day, an all-age service. So she came back the next day with her kids. And um, she didn't really know what it was. She didn't really know it was a church. She didn't really know about God or faith. But she liked what she heard, and she kind of wanted to explore that more. So she ended up on an alpha course, just a very low-key one, run by a couple of people in in their house. And um, spent a whole term just really journeying with what faith is, and made the decision to follow Jesus and to commit her life to God. And start to make a difference. You, you know, I remember chatting to her, well, I wasn't chatting to her, Joe was chatting to her about um, just a really difficult situation she had at home. She had a very difficult time. And uh, things between her and her husband weren't that great. And um, she found it very hard to cope with that and didn't know what to do. So the people in the Alpha group just said, well, okay, well, we'll you know, they didn't really tell her what to do. They just said, well, we'll just pray. And we'll ask God what he thinks. And they asked God to speak to her. And she asked God to speak to her. And God, she felt like the Lord said that she just simply had to sort of try and eat her words a bit and consciously make a decision to be more accepting and more caring and more loving um, without having to sort of fight back or answer back whenever there was a conflict. And, and so um, with, with, with Jesus' help, she did that. And do you know their relationship changed very quickly? And they're doing so much better. She came here because people were being scattered servants and just thinking and asking God, what can I do to bless my community? And then because people were willing to help her get hooked up with Jesus. And that's just one story, but we've got loads. And so while this is a season that we're going to be talking about building, actually our vision isn't about buildings, it's about people. The people that God wants to bring to himself. And as we start this new term, what a wonderful opportunity to commit again, each of us, I just want to challenge us to pray for three people that we know, that we'd love them to connect with Jesus more. We'd love them to encounter Jesus for the first time. I'm going to ask us over the next three or four weeks to really think and pray about our own financial commitments. But before we get to that, 
I love us just to ask God, who can I pray for? Why don't you do it right now? Just ask the Holy Spirit, who, who is it? Who is it? Who is it that I want to, that you want me to pray for? You know, we really believe God has a plan for the people around us and those we interact. We don't want to force our faith on them in any way. But we do really want them to respond to God, to encounter him and to respond to him. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to do this. I'd love it if you would join me just to commit for one minute a day to pray for three people. Now don't just pull out three names out of a hat unless you already know what you're doing. Ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you. Maybe those names come now, maybe they come later. Holy Spirit, just show us who you want us to pray for. Show us who that is. Maybe maybe you might want to consider choosing one person who you would consider to be quite close to God, not far away from faith. You might want to choose somebody else who you might consider to be a long way from faith, a long way from God. It doesn't really matter if God's in this. Now I'm going to challenge you. Get a pen or get your phone out and just make a note of who that is. You can do it right now. I'll let you. It's fine. If you haven't got it yet, that's fine. But set an alarm. Set a reminder on your phone. Think, well, what's the best time to do this? Could it be midday? Could it be nine o'clock in the morning? Could it be wake up when I go to bed? When am I going to pray for this person? Most of us, I would imagine, have some kind of way of reminding ourselves. Why don't we take our phone and set an alarm right now, a reminder? Pray for three. Pray for three. Because as we think about our building and what God wants us to do with our building, I really want this to be us to remember that this is about people, not buildings. Buildings are amazing. They're very important. But they're amazing because they're a base for what God wants to do with people. So just make a note now. Just challenge us to do that. What is God saying? How is he inviting us to do that? Having said all that, God talked to us about sending and he talked to us about building. And we really believe that now is a time for a season of building. There have been some really important moments in this church's history. I'll give you a little potted, very potted version of the story. But this couple here are Hugh and Ginny and they started this church in 1994 in one of these houses on Chesil Street. One of you will be able to tell me which one it is. I don't quite know which one it is. The which one? The pink one. The white one. Fantastic. I did go there once, but it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> and they moved to Winchester, moved into that house, and just started to meet as a life group, a small group. And that grew, and that grew, and that grew. When it was big enough to meet in public venues, they moved to a number of venues in town. Let's move it on for me, will you? There are three different ones here. This one is the uh, Guildhall. Very grand looking, isn't it? Um, this one is the lecture theatre at the university. And this one is the community centre at Badger Farm. And there were others too. You'll have to keep moving through for me quite quickly if that's all right. Um, here's some people having a meal. I, I, I found this and then I noticed young Andy Hyder over here. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have already been to him and apologised for showing this this morning. But then as now, community was really important. Is Gary here today? Gary Lee being baptised in the swimming pool around the back of one of the houses. Yeah, in their garden. Yeah, they had a swimming pool in their garden. Amazing. I think this is Johnny being baptised, isn't it? Is that Johnny? Mark? Somebody tell me. 
And Johnny, who was here preaching about a month or two ago, and now they're back out in um, there, <laughs> Central Asia. <laughs> okay. Again, have a look at this though, and just pause it there for me. You see. The story of the church is important. It's about people. It's about groups. This building has been a key part of that. This is what this building used to be like. It's a pretty bad photo. I'm sorry. But um, that's when this building was a uh, body repair shop. It's kind of still a body repair shop, isn't it? But (laughs) in a slightly different way. Here's what it looked like on the inside when we bought it. Oh, that's that's what it looked like when the church bought it in 2000. And that's what it looked like on the inside. That's the room you're sitting in now. Can you see here, down here, this is an um, inspection pit for a bus. That's our baptistry now. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Um, and then this is what it was like when they first sort of set up for worship in the back part, uh, which was for about four or five years. And then one more was uh, the opening of this space here, which was 11 years ago in 2005. Look at what God, one more, has done in a relatively short space of time. Isn't that incredible? How did the church get from there to here? Well, I've just been real with you. It was a sacrifice of time, energy and money. I'm going to ask you a slightly embarrassing question. Who was part of the church right back then? Wonderful. Would you do me a favour? Would you actually stand up for me? Amazing. Look at that. Now, you guys who are standing up, look around you. And see what you've done. (laughs) There are people who are here today who weren't there then because of your sacrifice. Thank you, I'll let you sit down. It's a massive sacrifice and privilege to give for people who aren't yet here. What a a sacrifice and an immense privilege to invest in God's kingdom ahead of time. Now, you know, as I said, a building is just a building. It's just stuff. But it is and can be a base from which communities can be really impacted. And it is and can be a place where we welcome people who are looking for God. Our vision is to lead a city into life. Can you move it on for me, please? Thanks, Michael. We believe that God wants to rewrite the story of our city and bring hope and life to individuals and communities. One more. There's a key passage, which I don't have time to go into now, but I've spoken from a number of times from Isaiah 61, about how the Lord's plan is for us to bring good news and comfort and freedom, and the people who receive that comfort and freedom in God are the ones who will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated and renew the ruined cities. It's not our job to do that. It's the job of the people who God is going to bring to do that. That's their future. We're talking about a movement of transformation. And our building here is a key part of that. There have been thousands of people who have been welcomed here, who have sat on one of our sofas, who've had a cup of coffee here, and who in some way or other have encountered God or God's presence. Do you remember back in March, Lauren Fern came and spoke here about, on Church Planting Sunday? Do you remember that? Lauren's story was that she came to university in Winchester, Lived a, she was pretty honest about a life of drinking and parties that she pretty much had until such time as she was saved by Jesus, really properly saved. She was baptised here ten years ago, and guess what, now she's planting a brand new church in Cambridge reaching out to young adults. Isn't that amazing? And actually there are many, many, many people who have a story like that. 
who are now serving God all over the country, all over the world. Not just in ministry or church planting or leadership like Lauren, but working in business and building strong families and working in health and education and local government and media and IT and industry, impacting culture, strengthening society. And this place has been used for many years by God to gather and welcome them, to equip and train them. And especially for children and young people. How many of you grew up here? I noticed a few of you. Thank you. Bless you. How many other children and young people have grown up through this place and are now off impacting their communities and doing whatever God's called them to do? What an what incredible privilege. And so we just feel it's time now, with that in mind, to invest in this building for the next stage of our journey. This is another key moment in the life of this church. And you and I get to be privileged enough to be around and be part of it. As we've worked and shared and prayed over the past two and three years, Joe and I and the team here have had an increasing sense that God wants us to further invest in this building, make some changes that will help us even more to bring hope and life into people and communities. There are a whole number of aspects to the work. We're not going to go into details today. Plans are available. There's some pictures on the wall at the back and there's a website which you can download information from. But Joe is just going to come and share four key aspects of what this de- what's going to happen here, what this change is going to mean. And then I'm going to come back and finish off. So as Nigel said, as we make changes to the kind of structure and the fabric of the building, the aim of that is that we would be able to connect with more people and people in different ways. And we've talked about bringing hope and life. And the first way to do that, or that we're trying to do that, is as a welcoming community. Those of you who are guests with us today, I hope that you've received a good welcome. I hope you've felt that somebody's said hi to you and connected with you. And you know, the truth is that actually through the week, we do have many, many people who come to be part of this building. Some on a Sunday, we're all here on Sunday, but we actually have toddler groups, we have compassion ministry, we have a whole load of different groups who come and hire and borrow and use our rooms throughout the week. But there's some real challenges with that at the moment. Because when you know where you're coming, you know who we are and where we are, then it's quite easy to come in. But actually, if you come here for the first time and no one's really shown you where to go, it can be very tricky to work out where we are. And so one of the things we're planning to do, the picture shows you, is we're actually going to move the front door of the building onto the front of the building. So as you come down the slope from the traffic lights, ta-da, there is Winchester Vineyard Church with a welcoming frontage. And on one level you think, well, is that really necessary? But actually from all the people we've spoken to, yes, it is. You know, we had a taxi driver who came a month or so ago and he dropped someone off here and said, what kind of place is this? And they said, oh, it's a church. And he said, don't they want anyone to come? Because he was finding it hard to get in. And even the planning officer who came a few weeks ago, I mentioned about the frontage. She said, that is a really good idea. I got lost coming in. You know, so this is a very real problem for guests who we want to welcome in from our community. They literally can't find the way in often or it's very difficult. And so one, one of the things we want to do is increase our welcome. Now, our welcome is also extended by the way we are with people when we connect with them. And that's really important. But there are some very practical things we can do to improve things too. And providing one front door and having a welcoming entrance and somebody can stick their head out of a little hatch and go, hello, welcome to the vineyard, where do you want to go today? And direct people to the right places is going to be a really big help. So we want to be a welcoming community. 
The other thing that Nigel's already mentioned is bringing hope and life. Actually, we want to continue to bring hope and life to our youth and kids. And as you saw when the youth left earlier, we have loads of youth and there are a load of kids that often we, we hear upstairs. In the past year, our children's ministry has doubled since Stephen and Louise have been around, the fantastic work they and the team have been doing, we don't have twice as many kids. It's a bit complex. But we, the ones who come, there are more who come, and the ones who do come, come more often. And so people are just kind of feeling maybe more connected with us. And we just need more spaces to do things with them. So we're changing some walls upstairs to have more breakout spaces. So the youth who come can be in two different rooms. And the, the little ones who come can be spread out so that they can connect with each other and with Jesus in just a, a better environment and a better space and we're also looking at changing how the the stairs work and you can see that on the plans just to make the flow better because if you're a parent and you've tried to go up and sign your kids in and out you'll know that you're fighting past people and it doesn't work so well so it's a simple changes to make that happen Something else that's really important to us is the way that we bring life through compassion. And as you know, this is part of the heartbeat of us as a church. Many of you were here um, several months back when we had an offering for a van. Um, thank you for that. And we bought a van and we are now every week delivering fresh food to people who need it around our area. So it's an extension to our compassion ministry. But the truth is that compassion here is just bursting at the seams. And so we need to do something to make more and better space. And at the moment, we're really wrestling with and praying about what that looks like. It seems that maybe a, a kind of shortish, mediumish term option might be to build a porter cabin in our car park where we can centralise everything. Because at the moment, <laughs> if you go around open cupboards, things pop out all over the place. And so we need a more focused and a, a better organised and equipped way of keeping everything together. We are very well organised. I didn't mean it like that because it's beautiful. If you go and look in our cupboard, it is beautiful. But we have so much stuff to give away and there's so much need to be able to give to that we need to do it in a, a more streamlined way. So bringing hope and life with compassion is really important to us too. We just want to be able to sort, serve more people and help them connect with Jesus that way. And finally, we want to bring hope and life through worship. We have such gifted and talented musicians, worship leaders, PAAV media guys, as you know. Look around, we're kind of sitting in a bit of a barn, aren't we? And there are some things that we could do to help people engage, especially those who aren't familiar with church and aren't familiar with coming along. Wouldn't it be just amazing if we could show things, and even when it's a really sunny day, you could actually see what's on the screen. You know, some really practical things that we could do by putting down some blinds and, and just changing things around. And we're also looking at increasing our services. After Christmas, we're thinking about another service, an evening service, and being able to just have different opportunities to people come and connect with Jesus and have really appropriate, relevant media to help them do that could just be a wonderful thing. So those are our aims, to bring hope and life in these different ways. Thanks, Jo. We've just given you the headlines there, and as I said, you can see some plans along the back, and we'll be writing to everyone in the church to give you a bit more information. And uh, there's also a web page, if you just pop it onto the next one for me, um, where Chris has brilliantly put up all the stuff. You can't really see that there, but you can download the plans from there as well. This is a really significant project. 
And it will make, as Joe's explained, a massive difference to our space, to our flow, to our welcome. It's going to take some significant finance to do it. There are some big numbers involved. Um, we have an estimated project cost, and it's somewhere around the million pound mark. Okay. Now, we have done our best at this point to get some figures. We've done the best we can up to this stage. If you've ever done this kind of thing before, you'll know that what you need is you need to get some professionals. We've engaged the quantity surveyor to tell us the kind of price range we're talking about and what we can expect to pay. But actually, until we go to tender with contractors and get to the next stages, we don't know for sure what the final price is. But we do know that it will be a significant figure. That doesn't scare us. Because this is in God's hands. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was just uh, watching my son play football and got chatting to a guy, one of the dads, and his, he works in financial services. He works in pensions and investments. And I was just chatting about that, about that whole sort of sector, about that field. And I said, oh, it, it seems to me that a lot, of your, a lot of your sector, financial services, is driven by fear. You know, it's driven by fear because people are basically scared that they're not going to have enough money for the future or whatever it is, or scared they're going to He looks at me and he said, to tell you the truth, it's driven by greed and fear. You know, and I was saying, well, I just, I, you know, I, I'm nervous about that whole sector because I don't really want to be driven by either greed or fear. I want to be driven by God. So, okay, the professionals are telling us it's going to cost a lot of money. There may be ways that we can save on that. We don't know at this point. But we're not worried about that because God's in charge. And if this is his plan, then he'll make it happen. What's it going to take to get us from here to there? Well, it's going to take four things. And I just want to unpack that briefly before we finish up. We are going to have communion this morning as well, just to finish our service. It's going to take prayer and planning. There's still quite a long way to go. We've done a lot of planning. We've done quite a bit of praying. We've planned a 24-7 prayer week in about three weeks' time, the first week in October. We want to really call the whole church community to pray together. It's okay, you don't have to pray all the time for the whole 24-7. But between us, we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to spend a week just devoted to God and calling out to him. That, of course, isn't the only praying we're going to do. But we're going to be praying we're going to be telling God, how do you want to do this? As regards planning, we have a planning permission uh, in at the minute. We don't expect there to be any problems with it. Um, it, From all our initial investigations, uh, we should hear back in the next two or three weeks as to whether we've definitely got the permission to go ahead with this project. But as Joe said, she spoke to the planning officers and they thought it was a good idea to move the front door. So Um, There's a fair bit to do, though, as you'll imagine. There's a fair bit to do. Uh, before actually contractors are on site starting. We think at this point the earliest that could be, uh, depending on how much money we've got and the cash flow, would be about April next year, April 2017. If we have all the money uh, ready to go, then we think it could all be done by the end of the year. Okay, So it's going to take prayer and planning. It's going to take sacrificial giving. All journeys require sacrifice. People have given sacrificially in the past, as we've just demonstrated. The people who were here when the, when the church was first bought this building and then are here again when they invested in this space here, where we all come and meet with God every week and where lots of other people come and do stuff. All of that happened because of the sacrifices that people made in the past. People who are here now and people who aren't here now. 
And it is going to take sacrificial giving on our part as well. So what I want to be really asking us is just to start to ask God, what kind of sacrifices could he be asking us to make in order that the funds are released, that he can do this? Um, We've just produced these little postcards there on your sheet. I'd love you to take one home. I don't want you to fill it in yet. There is a response on the back. We'll talk about that over the next two or three weeks. We've set aside a day on Sunday the 9th of October, which is just about a month from now where we want to really kind of give an opportunity for people to respond. So you've got about four weeks. And we love each and every one of us just to be asking God, how, how, what's my part in this? I want to say something really, really loud and clear. We are talking about equal sacrifices, not necessarily equal gifts. Okay? Do you get what I'm saying? Equal sacrifices, not equal gifts. This is not to do with our means or our circumstances. This is to do with everybody having a part to play or being involved, having the opportunity to be involved. Whether you're waged or unwaged, young or old, it's really important that everyone can be part of this. Small sacrifices, they do add up, you know. I don't know if you know this. Just let me give you an example. I don't know if you um, sometimes go to a coffee shop and buy yourself a nice coffee at lunchtime or when you're at work. But if you do, let's just say, for example, that you might spend, say, about £2.50 on that, on a lunchtime. £2.50 on a coffee at lunchtime doesn't sound like very much. Um, But if you did that for 20 working days in the month, that comes to £50. £50 is quite a lot of money in a month. And if you did that for a whole year, that would come to £600. Well, £600 is the cost of a sofa, a really nice sofa. And over the lifetime of that sofa, just think how many people might sit on that sofa and be welcomed into this building. Don't think about the health thing. I know what you're all thinking. (laughs) How many people sitting on that sofa? No. Think about the investment in welcome from just missing a coffee at lunchtime. They could, those people could be at a storehouse event, they could be at one of our services, they could be at Big Fish. Now, some people can't make that kind of sacrifice, it's just not possible. We get that. Others could make way more than that. We get that too. God is not interested in the amounts as much as he's interested in the way that we give it in our obedience to his foot, to, to following what he says to do, and our attitude when we do it. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Please only give cheerfully. <laughs> One thing for sure, whenever I ask God how much I should give to something, he always lets me know. He always tells me. He always answers. And simply what we're asking you to do is to take this home, put it somewhere prominent and start to pray. Lord, What do you want me to give? What can we give? Are there any sacrifices that you're asking us to make? And then, if you feel like you hear God give you you an answer, then I'm simply asking that you go ahead and do that. And choose to trust God in it. We need to choose to trust God to provide for what we need. He is our provider. We can trust him to provide in all sorts of ways. He's incredible in the creative and imaginary ways, imaginative ways not imaginary, imaginative ways that he can provide for our needs. I'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks' time. Next week we've got a baptism service. We're going to hear the stories of what God's doing. Some of our young people are going to get baptised. It'll be awesome. And we've got this barbecue. And that'll be fun too. And then the next week I just want to talk a bit more about that whole giving process and what the Bible says and how how we just follow what the Bible talks about. It's hard, isn't it? I can hear it's all gone quiet and we don't like talking about money, you know. 
It's a bit of a taboo, isn't it? Oh, don't start talking about money. It's embarrassing. Truth is, the Bible talks more about money than pretty much anything else, doesn't it? Apart from the poor, I think, and something else. That didn't come out right. <laughs> I'm going off script. Stay on the script. Stay on the script. Please just take the postcard and start to pray. And ask God how you want to respond. It's going to take creativity. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have ices that they could cash in. Okay? But they had jewellery that they could sell. And sometimes that's what the people of God did. They brought the jewellery in. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to turn over your best jewellery. I'm just asking you to say to God, is there anything around here that I don't need any more that could be turned into a financial gift? Maybe the Lord will answer you that way. How might we give to this project? There's a little clue on the back here. You could give him upfront gifts, one-off gifts. You could give him pledged gifts. You might have a, a bunch of money that you know is coming to you, but not now. It's coming in two months' time or three months' time. Maybe it's a Christmas bonus or tax relief or something. And you think, well, I, that can go in there. That's the date. Or you can give by only an um, ongoing monthly standing order by pledging a certain amount of money each month. You might choose to sacrifice your coffee at lunchtime. And I'd encourage you to make a standing order rather than let that 250 a day disappear into some other pot. Make a standing order, 50 quid a month, there we go. Maybe that's what the Lord's asking you to do. We'll write to you with some more with some details about this. It's really important, the last thing I want to talk about here is it's really important to get the order of giving right here. Our first and our regular giving needs to go straight into the church. Okay, that's what we do when we give our offering every week. If you are new here and you haven't yet had the chance to do this, we've got these forms and we ask everybody who considers themselves to be a member of this church and to be part of it to make sure that they've looked at this and they've figured out how they can give to God's work here in the church. So if you haven't done that, I'd really encourage you to do that today. I've actually got some forms here and put them right here. There's some more on the connect table and some more at the back. If you haven't updated your giving recently, maybe you've had a pay rise and you haven't had a chance to let that reflect in your giving Maybe it hasn't caught up. That's our, first, that's our first place to give. The building project, that's over and above. As Joe said at the beginning, about 20 past 12, Chris, our treasurer, is going to be doing a short presentation on where our money went last year, how it got spent. And you can ask any questions about how we handle that, how we manage that. We'll just meet right here at the front around quarter past 20 past 12. It won't take more than 15, 20 minutes unless you've got really long, complicated questions, in which case we'll talk to you afterwards. But no, it's a, it's a short meeting, but it's our way of just sharing that. And lastly, it will take courage. And as we read in the passage, God says, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And his encouragement to us. And when he, by the way, when the Bible repeats something, it's because he really means it. The foundation of courage in our life is the promises of God. It's what Jesus has done in us. We can rely on him, we can trust him, and we can look into the future and step into the invitation that he's given us. Why don't you stand together? We're going to stand, we're going to pray and reflect, and then we're going to have communion as we finish today. There are three challenges. I've mentioned them all, but I'm just going to remind you of what they are. The first challenge from this morning is to pray for three people. Who am I going to pray for? Who is God asking me just to continually and consistently bring before him? The second challenge is to look at our regular giving. Maybe pick up one of these or maybe look at our current standing order, see if that needs amending, if there's something that God wants to do there. And the third challenge is to take one of these cards. Please take them with you and start to pray. 
I'm just going to lead us as we get ready for communion. Can the guys who are coming to serve communion come and help? And Joey, you're right to sort that out. And why don't we do that as we pray? You know, I've got no problem with talking about money and buildings one minute and the blood of Jesus the next. It's all part of the same thing. It's all part of what Jesus has done for us. So Father, we thank you for your ministry here and for this church and this community of people that we are so privileged to be part of. We thank you that for the, the call on us to invest in, this ne- in the next step, in the next season of this building, in the next generation of people who will come and meet you here. And most of all, we thank you that all of this is possible because you died on the cross for us. And after all, that's the only reason we're here, to worship you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your presence here. The Bible says that on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. So you eat the bread and you remember Jesus' body and you remember his body, his death on the cross. And it says that he also took wine and he drank wine and he said, this, this cup, this is my blood, this is, like, this is symbolizing my blood shed for you on the cross. And again, you do this and you remember me and that's why we do communion. Because Jesus has done this for us and we remember what he's done. So in the midst of all this, I just want to encourage you to come again to the place where we just remember what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for your body broken and your blood shed for us. We pray that as we take bread and wine now, that you would meet us really deeply. And that you would stay close to us as we Think about the challenges of today and how we best obey you in the next season. Come now, Holy Spirit, and make this real to us as we share. Amen. Amen. Anybody is welcome to take communion here if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer. How we do it is we take a bit of bread and then we dip it in the juice or the wine. Do we have any special ones? It's down here. The gluten-free bread is down here on my left. Otherwise, there are stations along the back and on the front when you're ready go for it just love you to stand together I know that one or two people are still receiving that's fine just there's no rush don't don't rush to receive communion but I just do want to kind of close things off in a second and just invite you to respond if there's something that God wants to be doing with you so why don't we stand together um, I'm very aware that as I'm talking some of you may be experiencing a very difficult time financially. Um, And if that's the case, and that's something that you're concerned about, we would love to pray for you today. We don't want to be driven, as I said, by fear. And so if you're struggling in that area, or to be honest, if you're struggling in any area, we just want to make the opportunity to pray for you. So in a second, I'm going to call you forward and just say, "Come, come come and receive. The guys will continue to play, and if you've got time, you can feel free to just sit in the Lord's presence. If you've got kids, we'd love you to go and sign them out, or to give your tag to somebody else, and let them sign them out. Uh, and then, but there'll still be time to come back and just to receive from the Lord. So I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, and then turn things over to the band. And don't forget, at around twenty past twelve, we're going to meet in here for those who want to just be part of that uh, trustees meeting report. So Father, we thank you for your presence here and we thank you for your ministry to us and we thank you for your death on the cross that we celebrate in communion. 
And Lord, I just want to pray for each of us, and particularly for those who might feel that particularly they're struggling in the area of finances. Lord, we know that you are sovereign and you are in control. So I just pray that your spirit would rest on any of those people, that you would, that you would encounter, we would encounter your presence in this area and in all areas. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry here. We bless you. Amen. So if that's you and you want to receive some prayer this morning, or if you've come with any other need, be it a physical need or a material need or a health need, we'd just love to pray for you. We've got a bit of space here and we'd love to do that right now. Or you're welcome just to stay or sit in the Lord's presence as the guys just play gently for a few minutes, just to think about and contemplate communion and what we've just done, or to ask them. We've got coffee at the back and uh, we've our children and youth coming out. So bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you soon.